Welcome to Out of Office, presented by Outsider. My name is Lindsay Nance. Out of Office is a monthly series that gives listeners a peek into celebrities' real lives to see what it's like for them outside of their work life. You see your favorite singer on stage, but what do they do when they aren't performing in front of thousands? What does your favorite athlete do when they aren't competing? How do they get to where they are? What motivates them? We will get into all of that for you. For the first episode, I spent time with former NFL quarterback Jay Cutler to see what his life is like now that he isn't lacing up the cleats. We also talked about what the road to the NFL was like and what he's up to now. I hope he's awake. <laughs> We're about to find out. Good morning. Hello. <laughs> he's up. How you doing? Good, you? Do you care if we invade your space for a little bit? We're doing good. I think we're past that point, you're already in. <laughs> What are we eating for breakfast? Coffee, you want one? Yeah. Okay, so the whole purpose of today is really to give people an inside look at A, what you're doing right now, what goes on uh, during your day, and kind of how you got to this point. Okay. So you're from Santa Claus, Indiana. Correct. For people who have maybe never heard of that or don't know what it's about, yeah. describe growing up there and what you did for fun. It's basically just a small town, a couple yeah. thousand people. It's probably similar to kind of out here. Mm -hmm. For fun, uh, you just rode bikes and played outside. <laughs> That's literally all you did. Did Basketball. you have any jobs or anything growing up or was it all like football from day one? So my dad was Indiana State Police. Oh, wow. He had a uh, concrete business on the side kind of because police didn't make any money back then. Mm -hmm. they're, still probably, they're still underpaid, but yeah. on the summers, I had to work construction and stuff like that with him. And then uh, I was in the back of a trash truck one summer. It was an awesome job. We really, really, you liked it? Oh, I loved it. It started like at five in the morning and uh -huh. we literally, we were done, because I played baseball in the summer. Uh -huh. and we were done by like one or two. When did you start playing sports and, and realize that you were pretty dang good at a lot of things that you played? So I think I started with bat, baseball and soccer first. Really? Yeah, and I was five, six years old. Uh, and then I didn't start football. My first year of football was flag football in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And then in fifth grade, me and uh, two other kids in my class, we, we were going we to play tackle. And they had just started a league in our hometown. Yeah. But we went over to Evansville, which was like... 45 minute drive. Mm -hmm. And the three of us went over there. And so every day after school, uh, either my dad, one of the other kids' dads or moms would drive us 45 minutes over there. And then uh, they'd drive us home. So we'd have to do like our homework in the car and stuff. We did that for fifth grade. And then sixth grade, I did it again. And then seventh grade, um, obviously was in middle school and mm -hmm. then started playing for the for the school then. You were pretty cold at the other sports that you played too. All stayed in basketball, baseball, football. How did, why did you want to focus on, on football primarily? Um, I liked basketball probably the most growing up when I was younger. Really? Probably my sophomore year, like football kind of clicked and I was like, all right, this is, this is more fun than the other two. Mm -hmm. And then your senior year, a perfect season, right? Y'all went 15-0 and 0 or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, we're thinking about going to Illinois, but then uh -huh. all of a sudden, Vandy comes out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, how did you make that decision to go to Vandy? I didn't even know where Vanderbilt was. <laughs> really? Honestly, I didn't know where Nashville was. Yeah. Because like up there, I was a Notre Dame fan, and then it's mm -hmm. all Big Ten up there. So Vanderbilt called 
the school, and that's back whenever like they had like the you guys might remember this, like the PA system over the like the loud over so yeah. everyone could hear it. And they were like, you know, Jay Cutler, please come to the athletic director's office. And you're like, oh God. I was like, here we go. What did I do? Went down there, Jay Birch, great guy. And uh, he's like, Vanderbilt's on the phone, I want to talk to you. Got on the phone and he's like, hey, um, we watched your film. We don't think that you can play, we really like it, but we don't think you can play tight end in the SEC. And I was like, well, that's good because I don't even play tight end. Okay, <laughs> I, was, I was confused. No, so was I. And, <laughs> and the guy's like, who is this? Yeah. And I told him, and he's like, oh, I was watching the wrong film. Mm. And that's back whenever you had like VHS tapes. So mm -hmm. you just send off VHS tapes. A lot off. harder to get recruited. Oh, yeah. And, and so he's like, well, I'm going to watch your film. I'll call you back. I was like, no chance. Go back to class. A couple hours later, again, on the, on the PA, come to the athletic, go down there. And the guy's like, hey, we watched it. We really like it. Mm -hmm. um, he goes, we want to we wanna offer you a scholarship. And this is over the phone. And I'm like, Okay, um, he goes, but we need to know by the end of the day. So I looked at uh, Jay Birch, I was like, I gotta go home, I gotta talk to, yeah. my, talk to my dad, I gotta get out of here. He's like, yeah, just go. Get on the internet first, look up Vanderbilt, yeah. Nashville, uh, all yeah. this stuff, and I'm like, okay, I have no idea where this place is at. Get off the internet, call my dad, and my dad's like, what happened? I told him, he's like, call him back. He goes, mm -hmm. he goes you're going. And I go, I don't even know where this place is you at. You couldn't even get a visit to go meet the coach, meet, uh -uh. look at facilities. And he's like, he goes, I don't care, just call him back, we'll go down there next weekend. Okay. I was like, oh, I mean, okay. So I call him back and I'm like, I guess I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, perfect. Mm -hmm. Obviously the rest is history. Okay, so fast forward, we're at Vanderbilt now. You're a four-year starter, set countless offensive records, never sit out an entire game due to injury. Mm -hmm. What did you think about your experience there, and what was that transition like going from a small town in Indiana to uh, being welcomed into Nashville in that setting? Well, Nashville was a lot smaller then, and Vanderbilt was small too. You mm -hmm. know, there's only like 6,000 undergrads there. So the transition wasn't that bad. I think mm -hmm. that first redshirt year, um, where I was able to play on the scout team and, and kind of travel and go to school and do all that stuff made that made the transition easier. Like playing as a playing as a freshman straight out of high school probably would have been would have been a little bit tougher. But while you were there again, had a lot of success. Was that something that you were kind of expecting in your mind? Did you did you feel like you were going to do well in that offensive scheme and with the coaching and everything? You know, we got a different. We got a new head coach. Bobby Johnson came in my. You know, after my freshman year, Bobby, Bobby was interesting. Like, he was awesome, great dude, great coach. Um, but like, we were like, no cussing, tuck your shirts in. Yeah. You had to yeah. wear like all the right gear. You know, we had to learn a whole new system, which wasn't bad. Um, but like, I we I really liked my class. Like, we had a lot of talent. Um, so it was kind of a building process with those guys. But it, uh, I mean, it went, went, we could have won more games, but it was fun. And then heading into the draft, mm -hmm. you go first round, mm -hmm. 11th overall to the Broncos where you spent three seasons and did really well, yeah. uh, especially given the circumstances that you had to go through. And I think people don't know as much about that. Just like off of the field, A, you're going to the NFL for the first time, yeah. and then you throw health issues on top of that. Yeah. Uh, losing teammates, mm -hmm. your coaching staff being switched around. How did, how did that build you up mentally? Because we know you have the <laughs> physical toughness from your background, Yeah. Uh, but really what did you learn from that experience? I thought going to the NFL 
was a little bit easier than going from high school to college. Just really? because playing in the SEC, I think it's so fast and everyone's good. And when I got to when I got to Denver, uh, Mike Shanahan was there, who was amazing. Mm -hmm. And the system we were running, I mean, he's an offensive genius. So, and I looked around, I was like, all right, well, my guys on my side are better too. So you're not like defense is obviously bigger and faster, but your guys are are better and faster and smarter and stronger too. So. It wasn't that I, that wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I think that you know mentally it was it was harder than physically. That's physically, a lot. physically, I was you know you're just throwing a football and doing the things. But mentally, you know the the system's bigger. You got more responsibility, um, and you're and you're an adult. Like you're living you're living by yourself. You have your own money. You're you know you're you're trying to figure out life as a twenty you know two twenty three year old. You know you're it's it's a it goes from being fun in college and. You know, you're hanging out with the guys, you're going to school, you're in the dorms to an actual like job job. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's a business. And like that's that's the part that, you know, you've gotta you gotta grasp pretty quickly. Um, you know, and then going into my third before end of my second year, you know, I lost from the beginning of the season to the end of the season I lost like thirty two pounds. Mm -hmm. And then we went after the season, they were like, you know, you're just stressed out from the season, it's a grind, it's like the first year starting the whole season. And I was like, well, I don't really feel that stressed. Like, mm -hmm. there's something else. Um, but we all went to Atlanta, and we were working out there. I remember, like, we're, we're bench pressing, and, like, I literally just dropped it on my chest. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this, something's up. So I flew back to Denver, and uh, I think my sugar, they tested me, and my sugar was, like, six, seven, eight hundred, eight hundred. It's supposed to be yeah. 100. Um, and they gave me insulin right away, and I was like, I don't even know what the hell this is. They don't, yeah. know, they don't know what type 1 diabetes is. Um, but started using insulin immediately, and I think I gained like 20 pounds in like five days. You know, type one is, is there's a late onset, which, you know, I got, and then there's kids that have it at age three, four, five, six years old. So, you know, I would go to these, these events and the hospitals and stuff, and you see a, you know, a four-year-old and their parents, and like the kids trying to get, their parents trying to give them shots, trying to check their sugar. Like, I remember, um, when the kids were young, like I always used to get scared. So like I would try to check their sugar and like just to make sure they were straight. Aww. And um, you know, getting a little like four-year-old to like you so could prick their finger. <laughs> it's terrifying. Oh gosh, I mean it's <laughs> brutal. So you know, I had a lot of empathy um, for the parents that were kind of going through that, and the kids as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I we we, we tried we raised money, we you know did events for them. It was good. It was a good time. You mentioned Chicago, leading mm -hmm. into Chicago. That's really where you spent the majority of your career, eight yep. seasons with the Bears. Um, a lot of offensive changes that you had to go through there. I mean, <laughs> completely different change of pace from where you came from. Yeah. How did you adjust to that, and how did that make you better? I don't know if it made me better. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was different. You know, going from Denver was with Mike Shanahan, and you know he ran the show from top to bottom. It was mm -hmm. an offensive, offense-oriented uh, system. Um, you know, everything was kind of centered around the quarterback. He did everything possible. Where, you know, Chicago is just different. It was defense, and we had an unbelievable defense. Yeah. You know, Lack and Briggs and Peanut, like all those dudes had been doing it for a while, and they were unbelievably good. Yeah. So, offensively, it was just basically, hey, you know, just score enough points to win, just don't mess it up, which was different. I still made it to the playoffs, though. <laughs> had a good run there. We had a good run one year. 
Um, and then I think when you were the spotlight for the media, mm -hmm. I mean, they just came out of nowhere. People start laying into you. Mm -hmm. But I think what emerged from that is this like, I'm gonna do my own thing. I don't care what you have to say mentality. Yeah. Uh, have you always been like that? No, I mean, I think, I think Chicago sculpted me a little bit. But when I when I first Scarred got him. yeah when I first got when I first got in the league, um, you know, you didn't have to talk to the media. Yeah. So the, the offensive linemen in Denver, they had a fine system. So if any offensive lineman talked to the media, they got fined. Really. And it was always the the sentiment was always you know, tell them nothing, give them as give them as little as possible. We're now, you know, with social media and everything, like you can kind of create your own story and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you have a say where, you know, back then, like, the, you know, Twitter was kind of kicking up. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, whatever the media said, they, they kind of controlled the story. Where now um, it's a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in Chicago, it was just like, just don't say anything. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have either. And it's, no. now it's like, if you don't address the media, then you're a jerk. If you yeah. do, Twitter's going to pick apart every single yeah. thing that you say. But you can also, you know, you can also, you know, you can say what you want to say. You mm -hmm. can put it out there. You know, you can you can hold people accountable where, you know, back then um, you couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, it wasn't, if you did that, you would kind of get tore apart where now it's it's much more acceptable. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I don't care attitude. I think that's, <laughs> it takes a lot of self-restraint and speaks volumes. And so after that, we all thought that you were going to Fox to be a sports mm -hmm. commentator. Miami comes calling after yeah. Tannehill goes down with the injury. What made you want to want to play one more year? Didn't really. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, Adam Gase was down there. Yeah. Really liked him. Respected him. I mean, I knew I might want to play a little bit. I didn't know. Didn't know if Miami was the spot, but mm -hmm. um, you know we talked about it, went back and forth, and I think the peer pressure just got me. So yeah. I was like, "All right, let's we'll, we'll we'll kick it for one more year." It was fun. I'm glad I did it. And then after football, this is where you kind of turn a page and jump into a completely different world. So a lot of people knew you for your football success, and then I think a lot of maybe younger generations mm. now know reality TV today. Yeah. Right, yeah. How in the world did they talk you into doing that? And, <laughs> and what was it like? Also didn't have a choice on that one. <laughs> Kristen had been talking to them and I mean we went back and forth on it and shot a couple of pilots and stuff but uh, it was it was happening. And it, it was, I remember, I remember after the first season I was at Frothy Monkey in uh, Franklin. Mm -hmm. And this girl comes up and she's like, hey, can I get a picture? And I'm like, sure. But she was like, I, I love you on the show. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not even, <laughs> now it's completely changed. But it was definitely something completely different yeah. than I've ever done. And for sure. especially for your personality, like kind of staying low key and yeah. not wanting cameras in your face all the time. I think that's why it was surprising and hilarious to see that side of your personality. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and it got easier and easier as we did it. Yeah, it was very entertaining to watch. I Thank will you. say that. And then after that, we get into, I think, Cuts yep. by Jay, your meat subscription service, mm -hmm. and then Uncut, the podcast. Yeah. How did that changeover happen? Uh, Pat um, LaFrida, um, who is probably the best butcher in the country, um, and he does a ton of meat in Jersey and um, New York. I think he's got, I think he provides like two, 3,000 restaurants. But he reached out, and so that was a no-brainer. And, and mm -hmm. we had talked on the show about doing maybe a butcher shop. Yeah. 
Um, but this was kind of an easy segue where I didn't have to do a shop and I could work with Pat. Um, and so that's going. And then the podcast, uh, they were on me about that for a while. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to do it. I still don't know if I want to do it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> I kind of, I was, I kind of just gave in on that one too. I was like, all right, let's let's do it. Let's crank it up. But it, I mean, it's been it's been fun. Like I mean, today we have the guy that started Bulletproof Coffee. You know, we've done Tony Robbins. We've done um, Breland. We've done Ernest. I mean, we've done countless, countless yeah. people. And it's been it's been fun to kind of get to know these people. Um, get to learn new stuff. Like today, I'm guaranteed I'm gonna learn something from yeah. this guy. I mean, he claims he once lived 180. So. Tell me how. I can't wait to hear that answer. I'm trying to live to 40. <laughs> me too. So the podcast thing, was that difficult? Like, was it harder than you expected? Um, trying to keep the conversation going? Because it's really different than playing a sport, leading a team, anything like you've ever done before. Like, this was very maybe not in the wheelhouse that we've seen you in before. If you have, if you have a good guess, it's easy. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had guests where... You know, five minutes in, like I burned up all my questions. You're like, what are we talking like, about? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm screwed. Yeah. This is not gonna go well. But I think I've been really fortunate that I've had like really, really good guests where, mm -hmm. you know, you ask four questions, and next thing you know, right. it's like 45 minutes, right. and it's like, wow, this is, uh, this is a lot easier. Than I and thought. you're just shooting it back and forth. Yeah, like today's today's gonna be an easy one. And then where did this partnership with Shane and Terry come in? Because like around Nashville. He's had like 600 successful companies, oh, yeah. so we all knew about him. Yeah. But how did this partnership with Outsider and Shannon come to be? I was playing basketball with Drew Maddox and a bunch of yeah. old guys yeah. over at CPA. And uh, he was playing, and we were playing like three times a week um, at like 6 o'clock in the morning. And then when COVID hit, we started playing three-on-three three at, at Shannon's house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew he was getting out of 24-7, yeah. um, and he kept telling me about, hey, let's, we can do something, we can do something, we can do something. And then he told me about Outsider, and I kind of just started hanging around. Mm -hmm. And he was in his pool house, and we didn't have an office yet. And just kind of went over there and was just kind of sitting around, and, and then it kind of just kept evolving, evolving, evolving. And then finally I was like, all right, I'm, I have nothing else to do. I might mm -hmm. as well just do this. And uh, it's kind of taken off. Yeah. But, I mean, he's the brainchild behind behind it. I mean, he's internet, SEO, like all that stuff, it's, he's a genius. Yeah, uh, what are you most excited about with Outsider that you have maybe coming up this summer that you're working on right now? Well, so we got cigars coming, hopefully in the next 10 days, and then beer at some point. Um, those are kind of the two pet projects that I'm really excited mm -hmm. about, and it's, those are gonna be fun. And y'all roped me into all of this now. <laughs> kind you, uh, tricked you. You've launched the apparel. We have the shirts and hats already out. Working on beer, cigars, coolers, all of that. What is the main goal of all of this that you guys are rolling out? Uh, great question. Um, you know, I think what we're doing, you know, the media and lifestyle brand and like everything that we're kind of building and outside and all the fun stuff, uh, it, 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 I think it's community based. That's why we're starting in Nashville because we're this obviously our home and. Um, building that community around outsider and people that enjoy the things that we enjoy and we're trying to give them you know first class products and we love it we love our beer we love our cigars we love everything we're doing so that's that's the goal of kind of creating this community that everyone kind of surround themselves with and we can all respect each other and have fun and enjoy the things that we enjoy so it's kind of like 
not just buying the products, but you're joining a team yeah. in that community. Yeah, hundred percent. It's cool. definitely a team. It's uh, it's you know we want to see what you're doing. We want to be able to do fun things. Um, and to do fun things is, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of what we're all about. Well, Jay, thank you for taking me through a day in life. This was a busy one. You caught me on a, you caught me on a day I actually had to do things. You Tomorrow know. I'm literally, after today I'm literally going to do nothing. You have a lot of big events coming up though, so you need the chill time. Exactly. We got some stuff coming up, um, but it was, it was fun. It was. Thanks for coming over. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and follow so you don't miss anything. Head on over to our YouTube page, our Instagram, our Twitter, and our TikTok to see even more from my time with Jay. Next month, I'll be spending time with Travis Austin. He's a local designer in Nashville who makes custom leather jackets, hats, and more. If you've ever been impressed by a celebrity's attire, there's a pretty good chance that Travis designed it.